Marvelites, you're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 597. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. That's it. Uh, that's I, it? I, I, no, that's, that's it. never it. You are the Lorraine Sink, the Webby Award honoreed. Is that how you say? Honorary? <laughs> yeah, honorary- I think so. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lorraine Sink. We'll get into that a little bit later, but also the birthday lady. Happy birthday, Lorraine. Thank you, Ryan. I am... It's happening. The day mm-hmm. that this podcast comes out, I have officially become 1,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> the birthdays are slightly less fun as they keep getting so high. <laughs> yeah. You know me. I, I sure love a birthday. It means so much. Ryan hates his birthday. It just doesn't... I, what does it matter? Just move I'm, on. I'm going to be going to a lake house over the weekend Ooh. and relaxing and maxing mm-hmm. um, and hopefully eating ice cream. So everything's you know going to be great. Perfect. Perfect. That's the way to do it. But we are not here to talk about birthday plans. No, this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we're excited about. And there's a whole lot going on this week. Later on in the show, I am talking with writer Tochian Yabuchi. He is writing Captain America. We're going to talk to him about how he got into comics, Cap, and so much more. My career in social justice has been a big influence on how I write and what I write about, especially with Symbol of Truth. Yeah, don't miss that chat a little later on in the show um, to help you get ready for the big Captain America Cold War story coming starting next week. Mm -hmm. So get into it. Plus... If you stick around, there's a Marvel Insider code this week at the end of the show. You're welcome. Yeah. No, don't anyone tell anyone else the time code, where to get it, what the code is. Let them experience it for themselves. Give us all them juicy, delicious downloads, please. All right. Let's get into this week because, as we said, there's a lot and the scrolls are coming to Disney Plus on Ryan June 21st. Just ripped his face off and underneath <laughs> it's a scroll with a little <laughs> funny chin and little pointy ears and looking green but looking great. This week we got a new poster. We got the release date, June 21st, and a new trailer for Marvel Studios Secret Invasion. Let's let's get a little listen to that trailer. Fury. Since you've been gone. Things have gotten much worse. How do you think I came back? Of course, in Secret Invasion, it is set during the present day of the MCU, where Nick Fury learns of a clandestine invasion of Earth by a faction of shape-shifting scrolls. You will remember them from Captain Marvel and like other places and, and 60 years of comics. Uh, Fury joins his allies, including Everett Ross, Maria Hill, and the scroll Talos, who has made a life for himself on Earth. Together, they race against time to thwart an imminent scroll invasion and save humanity. Man. Secret Invasion premieres June 21st only on Disney+. Plus. I can't wait. Get ready for one last ride with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You better go get your tickets. They just went on sale this Mm -hmm. week. We're officially four weeks away from Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which arrives in theaters on May 5th. May 4th, for some, like Ryan, who is going to be seeing it at the... I'm sure at the Yonkers Alamo and Draft House on Thursday. So yeah, I, I'm doing my, my normal stick, giving out some toys and comics and stuff. And I, I checked in with my my folks at the Draft House. I don't know, just a short while after tickets were on sale and the screenings were 75% full and there was like a queue to to get in to buy tickets. I was like, hell freaking yeah, let's go. I got my, my tickets. I'm, I'm good. But still, that was exciting. I love a full theater on like opening and pre-opening yes. night. It is the best. I cannot wait for people to see this film. Oh, God, um, yeah. Also, for some people, you might want to see all of the films, get a little re-up uh, before the third film. So on Wednesday, May 3rd, fans can be amongst the first to see the film at the IMAX Guardians of the Galaxy Marathon, where you can watch all three films back to back on the biggest of big screens, IMAX, and receive an exclusive commemorative poster and lanyard. Um, Holler at us if you're going. That's got to be like, what, at least seven, eight hours of movie going? That's a probably close to eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a solid work day. So uh, (laughs) I'm jealous. uh, I want to do that. I know. I do too. It sounds super duper fun. But we also have some... 
rad new character posters for the film. I am so excited for this movie. Plus the track list for the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Awesome Mix Volume 3, a collection of 17 songs is set for release on CD and digital download. Oh, remember CDs, y'all? Um, <laughs> also digital download on May 3rd as well. The soundtrack will also be available on 12-inch double LP vinyl on May 5th and will be followed by the cassette version, which we love to see because obviously cassettes are very important in this universe, available on July 7th. And then the original score with the digital album is going to be featuring composer John Murphy, who also worked on the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and 28 Days Later. Um, that's going to be also released on May 3rd. A wealth of music plus plus there's an official mixtape playlist that you can listen to right now on spotify a ton of great songs yeah that playlist has like so 60 or 70 songs it's got a mix of original score songs from the new film songs from the first two films uh stuff from the the holiday special and everything and then i, I was looking at the soundtrack playlist for the new movie and i highlighted three songs that i love on the soundtrack which were um Crazy on You by Heart, which is just so freaking good. Uh, we Care a Lot by Faith No More, because Faith No More is one of my all-time favorite bands. And then a Beastie Boys track in there, which is really cool. All right, there you guys have it. Get ready for Star-Lord and Rocket and Groot and Drax and Nebula and Gamora and uh, the whole gang to uh, save the galaxy once again. Uh <laughs> We hope. Well, we haven't. We Maybe. can't. We don't know how it ends. <laughs> but of course, go and get your tickets right now, and go see the film in theaters on May fifth or May third if you want to watch all three, or May fourth if you're going to the Alamo with Ryan. So, yeah. um, depends on where you are. Check check your theater for listings. <laughs> right on. Look, I just want to say thwip thwip, Spider Friends, because we got a new trailer for Spider Man Across the Spider Verse this week. My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Oh yeah, you were supposed to be her fine. All right, whatever. Whatever? Wow. Whatever? So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? I am the spot. <laughs> it's not funny. Don't, don't do that. Miles's grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to Mira, that's what people see. I gotta go. All right, everybody. He's lying to you. And I think you know it. So good. In the trailer, we get to see Miles uh, going up against The Spot, which is voiced by Jason Schwartzman. So freaking good. He's a perfect villain. <laughs> like loaves of bread coming out of his belly. Cracked me up. Uh, we get to see Miles with his family. We get to see Miles with Gwen and Peter from the first film. And then Peter's got a kiddo named Mayday. It's so cute. And Miguel O'Hara's in there. Okay, Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Man India, Spider-Punk, Spider-Woman. Uh, there's a freaking mention of Doctor Strange and the MCU Spidey and a really funny joke in the trailer. Uh, it is jam-packed with Easter eggs and so many Spideys and Spidey memes. I love it. And I don't know if you get to see this, Lorraine, but uh, for anybody out there, for a bonus treat, go find the international version of the trailer, which has a different opening. I don't want to spoil it, but it's different from the one that we got here. And I got served the uh, Sony Pictures India YouTube version of the trailer at first. And I was like, OK, I'll watch this. It's official. And I was like, oh, cool. They did this thing. And then I looked at the regular version. I was like, that's completely different. What is going on? Uh, it was it. wild. It was really, really cool. Um, of course, we're going to see all those characters. There's a lot going on in this film. It's directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. Um, you got Lord Miller doing that screenplay with David Callahan. It's got a lot of great people involved in it. Brian Bendis. This cast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Before even the cast, just sweet boy Brian Bendis, one of the producers. I miss Brian. I want to talk to Brian again. Yes, um, but a yeah, comic that book legend. Uh, so important to Miles Morales' history mm -hmm. uh, as a character. It's so cool to see folks like Brian, you know, taking part in these kinds of films that are shepherding his character into the lives of so many people who don't know and love him yet like we do. Yeah. Of course, you mentioned the cast. What are some of the, the names that we haven't mentioned? We got Shamik Moore. We got Haley Seinfeld, Jake Johnson, Issa Rae, Daniel Kaluuya, Karen Sony, Jason Schwartzman, Brian Tyree Henry, Luna Lauren Velez. Uh, just a wealth of talent. 
Rachel Dratch is in there. Oscar Isaac is in there. I mean, come come through Moon Knight slash Miguel O'Hara 2099 <laughs> double dipping in the Marvel Universe. We're here for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of double dipping in the Marvel Universe. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. <laughs> Haley Seinfeld. We love to see it. Yes, we do love to see it. Of course, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse swings into theaters and the multiverse on June 2nd, 2023. And I was looking at their social media. They had a post that said text 718-808-8342 to join the Spider Society, which I did immediately. I'm part of I'm, I'm waiting to be confirmed as a full member of the Spider Society. But if anybody else wants to do it again, that number is 718-808-8342. It's a pretty neat little thing. My favorite thing about that is that's a Brooklyn number. Back in the day, it was the boroughs. And yeah. as the as more people came in and everybody had a cell phone, we, they had to like fracture it. So it's yeah, more Brooklyn now, but it's definitely, definitely started out as Queens too. We love to see it. Go join mm-hmm. the uh, Spider Society while you're at it. Yeah. All right. Right now, there's a whole lot of goodness coming from Marvel Snap. We talk about it. We love it. It is the game to play. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what's going down? You got to spay and neuter your phones because the new season <laughs> is called Animals Assemble and it is Goodbye. here. You know, I write most of this stuff in our doc mostly for you, Lorraine. Like, what can I make Lorraine laugh with? That worked. Oh, it's so I stupid. It. I love it. Yep. Uh, all right. So, leading off this new season, got a new character in Hitmonkey, which is awesome. He's got he costs two with a zero power, but on reveal, he gains plus two power for each other card you played this turn. And I played him the the like the night that he launched. And by the end of the game, the person who had him had like 12 power on him. And I was like, damn, hit monkey, you good. There are a bunch of new series five cards. Jeff, Jeff the Land Shark is getting a card. Yeah, so cute. And the best part is you can move Jeff once, and nothing can stop you from moving it or playing it at any location like he 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 breaks any like rules that other things are put in place so he just like barrels through and and is awesome two cost three power snow guard who is a character from champions wonderful character a, a canadian character um she's really cool while in your hand snow guard transforms each turn into a hawk or a bear and it's a one cost, two power and the hawk version and the bear version have different powers. Um, one ignores all location abilities next turn. The other one triggers the effect of the location. It's pretty, pretty cool. Then big dino energy with Stegron. Oh, my God. I can't believe there's a Stegron card. Stegron it's, is unhinged. I love him. Yes, it's so beautiful. And Stegron being unhinged moves an enemy card from one location to another. Uh, four cost, five power. So he just basically like... Takes you and go whoop, moves someone else's card elsewhere, which can completely destroy your flow. So it's really, really fun. On top of that, we've got these cards will release weekly, starting with last month's uh, season pass card, which was Nimrod. That's actually already released as Series 5. Then April 11th, 18th, 25th, we'll see the releases of Snowguard, Jeff, and Stegron, respectively. You'll get them in the token shop and from Collector's Reserve. So fingers crossed, you get your hands on the one you want. There's new locations this season, Avengers Pet Mansion. And I know when that pops up, that turn, all cards must be played here. And then in the sandbar, cards with abilities can't be played here. Then we've got a whole bunch of animal variants for The Watcher, Captain America, Thor, Ant-Man, Death, Mr. Fantastic, Nick Fury, Black Cat. There's new bundles featuring variants and avatars and titles and other things. Throg, Frog of Thunder, the Avengers, which has uh, Captain America, Cat, Mooster, Fantastic, Ant-Ant, and more. Dan Hip, bundle there's uh, earth 616 day with Groot on a swing and hella gardening which i don't know why right. but i like it it's like sure why not uh there's a really great bundle that has just a ton of tokens and stuff but it also comes with ryan gonzalez squirrel girl uh variant and avatar which you would love they're so cute and then uh there's a bundle that's team cat or team dog i don't know exactly what that means yet but it'll be super fun to find out all in all it is a good time this month for Marvel Snap, which is available now on mobile and early access PC. It's so fun. Also, it's the Webby Awards. The Webby Awards just announced their nominees this week. Congrats to our team over here at Marvel on Marvel.com being nominated for Best Website Entertainment. We also have nominations for Best Social Content Series for Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Best Video Trailer for Marvel's Midnight Suns, Darkness Falls, 
trailer and best games for action adventure for Marvel Strike Force. Also, shout out to honorees for best social video under arts and entertainment for Scarlet Witch's daily routine, which if you haven't seen this video, you should go look it up on the Marvel Instagram or wherever. It's a great video of her just like going through her normal day, like going to hell and like fighting Mephisto and then like getting lunch. I don't know. It's great. We've also got for honorees best podcast scripted fiction for Marvel's Wastelanders Black Widow and best podcast TV and film for Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show. Yay. Yeah, that's yours. Yay. Yay. Well, me me and like a hundred other people, but. It's yours, Lorraine. (laughs) But yes, I'm so proud of the show. I was so thrilled to get to work on it with Ryan North, who of course is an Eisner award-winning comic writer and an incredible team um, behind this series. If you haven't listened to it, please go listen to it. It's so delightful. It brings me endless joy, and it's so nice to get a little love for our little squirrel girl. And then Metaverse for best partnership or collaboration for Sprite and Marvel. So love to see it. And if you want to go vote, go vote. Go to webbyawards.com if you want to check it out and vote for all of the Marvel goodness. And just go see all the nominees because it's really cool to honestly see what everyone on the internet is making and the great work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. All right, from awards to conventions, because conventions mean comics announcements, and we had two big conventions last weekend with some X-Men and Venom news. Let's get into Fall of X and X-Men stuff that went down at Megacon in Orlando. Uh, We had senior editor of the X-Men comics, Jordan D. White, there, along with writer Jerry Duggan, writer Benjamin Percy, and artist Joshua Kassara. So they got into all the the stories, the series, the shakeups, all that kind of stuff. They revealed a brand new Fall of X team teaser image by brian hitch which is very good uh everybody's real sad real beat up but it looks wonderful we've got uh, new hype for uncanny avengers of course written by jerry duggan drawn by javier garon uh if you missed us talking about the new lineup includes captain america rogue deadpool quicksilver psylocke and penance mm. and the new team has to solve the mystery of who the new murderous captain krakoa is and stop his army of killers from igniting the fires of a new world war no big deal. Just a little thing that they have to do. That first issue of that is on sale August 16th. Uh, Jerry Duggan will also continue to write X-Men throughout Fall of X. And after the Hellfire Gala this summer, the title will see a cast shakeup with new additions, such as the winner of this year's X-Men fan vote, as well as Kate Pride with uh, number 25 and that issue where some of that stuff starts to go down. That's coming August 2nd. And, uh, you know, speaking of Kate Pride, she gets a new look, a new code name, well, a new or old code name. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's going back to Shadow Cat. And really hearkening back to her ninja training, the great Wolverine and Shadowcat limited series from the 80s, uh, where they had to fight Ogun. So get a little bit of that vibe. and it's a- But will she wear a blue puffer jacket and like black briefs? <laughs> and I think leg warmers. It, she was very flash dance. <laughs> it's, it's not out of the question. The new design is by Peach Momoko, who... Um, sort of rift on those original looks it's definitely blue oh and God, black like the original but uh it gives it a, a very new hip flavor she does have the short hair again and it's i mean she looks bad i love it when kitty didn't straighten her hair her hair and she just had curls you yeah, know? I know i know just let it be girl that's right artist daniel cunha joins X-Force as the cover artist for The Fall of X, and with issue number 43, it unveiled the new team leader, Colossus, on the front lines with the squad. But what that means and where they go, you will never expect. That is on sale August 23rd. Uh, Then shifting over to Wolverine, um, there's a lot of stuff going on with Wolverine during Fall of X, but he's kind of on the run, and he ends up in a collision course with Ghost Rider, so... Writer Benjamin Percy is joined by artist Jeff Shaw to bring Wolverine and Ghost Rider together because Benjamin writes both those books. And they're going to have a four-part crossover called Ghost Rider Wolverine Weapons of Vengeance, which I can't believe we've never named anything that before. (laughs) So good. Uh, There's a demonic serial killer murdering innocent mutants. You know that old chestnut. And it kind of dives into their first meeting between Wolverine and Ghost Rider. The crossover kicks off August 9th with the Weapons of Vengeance Alpha issue and then ends a little bit later with the uh, Omega. Just four issues. I like nice and tight. Nice and tight. 
Also, I saw the teaser image for this, and it's sick. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's like yeah. fiery Ghost Rider Wolverine mashup. So Hell good. Yeah. Also, at that panel, fans got a peek at Tony Stark's new stealth armor on the cover of Jerry Duggan and Juan Fergari's Invincible Iron Man number nine. And you're like, well, why are you talking about Iron Man when you're talking about X-Men? Well, because Jerry's writing a bunch of X-Men stuff, including oh, yeah. the X-Men book. He's also writing Invincible Iron Man. So he's bringing those together. We've got Stark Unlimited. They're building Stark Sentinels. Tony Stark is sort of at odds with Stark Unlimited. And he's got this alliance going on with Emma Frost. He has actually a key role during Fall of X. And we'll see how that impacts everything going on in Mutant Kind. So issue number nine of Invincible Iron Man releases August 23rd. I don't know, Tony Stark and Emma Frost, it's like one of those pairings where you're like, this should either work really well or really poorly. I want, And there's no in between. Yeah. I want someone to just create a video of images of them together set to Lady Gaga's bad romance. And it's oh, just- so toxic. So toxic. So many mind games. Love so much it. narcissism. Oh. Just well, chef's oh. kiss. Yeah. So great. Uh, all right, let's shift over to C2E2, which was in Chicago last weekend. And there was a big Summer of Symbiotes panel where we had our editor-in-chief, C.B. Sibolsky, along Wait, with- Wait, should hmm? it be said Summer of Symbiotes? Summer of Symbiotes. Because uh, they say the essence like this. The, yes, we're going to do that from now on. Summer okay. of Symbiotes, where <laughs> we had editor-in-chief, C.B. Sibolsky, and Venom editor, Devin Lewis, along with uh, writer David Pipos, Sabir Perzada, and Zeb Wells talking about Spidey and what's coming up for all the Venomy stuff this year, celebrating Venom's 30th anniversary. So there's a whole bunch of symbiote symbiote stuff going on. <laughs> um, we've got Carnage trying to inherit the Earth in Web of Carnage, a new series by Ram V and Francesco Mana and a whole bunch of other people um, that's coming out of the uh, the story Carnage Reigns. The first issue of that is coming July 12th and Web of Carnage, you're going to see Carnage go up against uh, or go after Morlin, which would be pretty cool. Nice. Morlin. Yeah, the Spider-Man The Spider-Eater. Exactly. Then Alex Pacnadel and Jan Bazaldua are doing a new arc for Red Goblin called Nature versus Nurture. And that one um, gets to see Normie Osborne's symbiote, whose name is Rascal, which I just love. <laughs> I love that its name is Rascal. Amazing. Uh, but Rascal's um, kind, of, kind of getting a little feral. And we're going to see what that means for both Normie and the symbiote starting July 12th. Then over to Cult of Carnage Misery, which is a whole wild story by Sabir Perzada and Francesco Mortarino. And that one, you've got a new symbiote that is got the powers and personalities of the Life Foundation symbiotes. It's, it's called Madness, and it's just this wild story that is sort of um, taking in Liz Allen and really messing her up. The first issue of that is May 3rd. Then we shift over to Venom, and you've got um, Venom doing all kinds of weird stuff in number 22 by Al Ewing and Ramon F. Box. We get to see uh, when Eddie goes into the past. He's been like sort of traveling around time and seeing different versions of himself, but now he's face-to-face with the mysterious Flexo, which... If Flexo is not like a circus strongman or like a clown, a symbiote clown, something really weird, I don't know what it will be. But it's great. This one is also going to have a, a shocking secret about the role that symbiotes have played in Marvel history. That's coming out July 5th. And then in number 23 on July 19th, Torin Gronbeck and Ken Lashley sort of bring back and update Toxin. Toxin is the oh, offspring yeah. of Carnage. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's going to feed into a lot of other symbiote, symbiote stuff. And then we get the Edge of Venomverse Unlimited Infinity comic series launching uh, June 13th, which is going to be on Marvel Unlimited. There's going to be a ton of creatives in there, big sagas, little stories. Uh, so if you're used to our really great Infinity comics, you're going to get a ton of that stuff, including a special July 4th address from President Venom, which I'm looking <gasps> forward to that one. And then finally, the capstone to Shimmer of Symbiotes uh, and spinning out of Extreme Venomverse comes the death of the Venomverse, bringing Colin Bunn and Gerardo Sandoval back to really wrap up all kinds of stuff. You've got Carnage trying to kill any and all Venoms. So we're going to see that. And then it's also going to have classic tale in the vein of Venom Lethal Protector by Venom co-creator David Michelini. So that's pretty cool. 
all of those coming out in August, starting August 2nd. That sure is a summer of symbiotes. It sure is, Shireen. All right. Uh, moving on, we've got even more great stuff because we have the excellent Days of Future Past Doomsday, one of four. It's written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Manuel Garcia, uh, and that's going to be on sale July 12th. And this is the cataclysm that leads to the X-Men's dystopic future. We, kn- we know it's coming, right? Like, we know that the Days of Future from the past are bad. So let's let's see how it goes. Um, so we're going to return to the future in a tale that reveals the events leading up to Days of Future Past um, that we all know and love from the entire zeitgeist. So get into it. And I'm just going to get into the flavor text here. In a world where mutants are more than simply hated and feared, but not yet slain and apprehended, the assassination of Senator Kelly comes to pass and brings with it the Mutant Control Act and sentinels on every corner. But with mutant kind on the back foot, what lengths will Kate Pride, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Banshee, Angel, Cyclops, Professor X, and the rest of the X-Men go to in order to find some way to survive and what scheme of Magneto will bring about their ultimate doomsday. This is a 30-year descent into a dystopic future with untold deaths of key mutant characters as well as, you know, really fleshing out the X-Men timeline. If you're a fan of Days of Future Past, you got to read this one. It's going to be fabulous. Look out for it coming in July. Very, very cool. I'm sure that's going to be a uh, happy, fun time. Oh, yeah. So easygoing. Just a a romp in the woods. (laughs) Yep. Just delightful. Also just announced this week coming in July is Thor Annual Number 1, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with art by Ibram Roberson. Uh, This kind of spins out a little bit of what Jackson and Colin have been doing in Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, how they've been using MODOK. And so MODOK is in here. Um, That's all I need to tell you. It's got MODOK (laughs) and MODOK wins. The end. Go buy it. It's going to be great. Pre-order it now. Um, Modoc is basically like, I'm taking over all the Ten Realms, except maybe Asgard, but whatever. No big deal. And he gets cosmic powers, and he, he poops on everybody, and it is a wonderful, wonderful story. I don't know if that true. I, I'm pretty sure it's true. Look, I just love it. My sweet boys, Jackson and Colin, love what they're doing. They have done some really fun stuff with Modoc over the last couple of months. So I'm excited for this. I'm excited for him to poop on Thor and do so much more. It's going to be a great issue. Thor Annual, coming in July. Yeah. And, you know, as we have mentioned before, X-Men's 60th anniversary is this year. And there's a little preview video. Um, if you missed the live event last month for Marvel Unlimited celebrating X-Men's 60th anniversary starring Ryan Panagos, mm-hmm. um, we just released one of the segments over on Marvel.com and on our YouTube channel. And it's a bit of a preview of the X-Men comics this year, touching on the Hellfire Gala, the Fall of X, and more. Um, all that that good stuff that Ryan, too, was talking about earlier from, from the cons. So go check it out. There's some cool art, some fun combos. Uh, there's some Ryan Panagos if you want to see. Uh, he has a beard now, but I still think of him as a man with a mustache. Go watch the, the, it. The thing is, the beard hides that I still have the mustache. It's still there. Oh, as, no. As Catherine, oh, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm living my best life. Uh, Catherine pulls on the freaking mustache, though, every night. She's just like, yank, yank. I'm like, oh, God, please stop. Anyway, uh, yeah, great video. If uh, if you missed that Marvel Unlimited special event, we got a little taste for you. Maybe, maybe this will help entice you to sign up for a Marvel Unlimited annual subscription if you haven't already, because who knows? Maybe we'll be doing more of these mm. types of things. Uh, I know people who have won, like, action figures and books and stuff from just watching the event. So, Pretty cool. Go check it out and then go sign up for Marvel Unlimited. All right. One more piece of announcements this week was a little witchy, 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 witch announced by our friends at Hasbro. There's a new Scarlet Witch Marvel Legends figure, and uh, she's got the deco and design inspired by her appearance in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Comes with uh, two magic swooshy accessories and most importantly, teeny tiny Darkhold. (laughs) <laughs> which is great. So you can give any of your, your figures a little Darkhold. Spider-Ham, give him the Darkhold. Jeff the Landshark, give him a Darkhold. Squirrel Girl, give her the Darkhold. I wish that there was a Marvel Legends of Jeff. There is. There's there's a little one that um, came with Shikla a year or two ago. I have him back. 
He's right next to Sugar Man on my um, on Flushy. Ryan, I just spent money on Jeff Comics this weekend, and now I have to go find this and buy this because I didn't know it existed. Goodbye to my money. All right. Well, now I have to go to the internet, but soon, soon enough. Before then, let's talk about Marvel's Voices. This week on our favorite friend's podcast, Marvel's Voices with Angelique Brochet, um, she's talking to John Semper, one of the primary forces behind Spider-Man, the animated series. Uh, and in fact, let's uh, listen to a little clippity clip clip right now. I'm the first black animation writer, period. There might have been a black story man who worked at some animation company somewhere doing one thing. But in terms of a person who identifies as a writer for their profession and has done really only that, I'm the first one. And you have to understand that in 1979, 1980, when I got into the animation business, the animation business was a ghetto at that time. It really was its own ghetto in that nobody really wanted to be in it. It was not considered a legitimate part of the entertainment industry. And there was very little cachet involved in being involved with cartoons. All right, episodes come out every Thursday. You can listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, speaking of podcasts, over on Marvel's Pull List podcast this week, which is, of course, the show all about new comics, old comics, all the comics every week. Our picks for this week's new issues are Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, number 11. I was just talking about that book, y'all. Venom, number 18. Spider-Man, number 7. And Spider-Man, number 7 is an interesting one because it introduces Spider-Boy, who um, is Spider-Man's long-lost sidekick who will then appear in future issues of Spider-Man and uh, we'll get his origin in June and edge of Spider-Verse number three in a story by Dan Slott and Umberto Ramos. And the two of them created Spider-Boy together. Uh, Spider-Man number seven is so good. It is just like watching Mark Bagley as one of the greatest artists of all time flex. Like, Oh, you want to see someone draw dozens of characters over multiple pages? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's like a little bit of an homage to George Perez in places. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and then for this week's reading club, we had on editor Lindsay Kohick, who joined us to get a really great behind the scenes discussion on Pete Romoko's Demon Days series of comics. Um, Lindsay is the editor on those books. And so getting a sense of how they were made, why they were made, the thought that Peach puts into the characters, the design, the world, it's really fascinating. So definitely check that out. So the general story uh, is that it's it's set in our kind of modern day Japan, uh, most of the story, and it's about Mariko Yashida, who kind of discovers that the real normal world she thought she was living in is not all that normal at all, that there are you know, creatures that exist in real life that she thought were only fairy tales, uh, and she's kind of tied to them more inextricably than she could have ever imagined and she sets on an adventure to learn more about this connection that she has. Of course, Marvel's Pull List out every Tuesday. Listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's do it. So next up, we have our chat with Tochi Onyabuchi, and we're going to reveal that Marvel Insider Code. And I'm also going to spend some time um, researching where I can get a Jeff Legends figure. We're back, and I have it in my eBay cart. Ooh, nice! How much are you paying for it? <laughs> About twenty-four dollars. Wow! For the, for Shikla and Jeff, or for, just for, Jeff? For a brand new in the package okay. Shikla and Jeff. That that is a good deal. Now I will tell you this: that Jeff is like original design Jeff, where he looked more like a like a real shark, like yeah. a real shark with with limbs. He's evolved more to be just like. A little puppy. Obsessively cute and yeah, puppy puppyish over the over time, but still, it's a Jeff. So it's gotta get a Jeff where you can get a Jeff. Uh yes, you of course are listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos. I'm Lorraine, still Lorraine Sink. Obsessing about that Jeff. I but want right, it. right now we gotta get into the interview section of the show because I talked with writer Tochiani Bucci about his starting comics, interning here at Marvel with me, writing Captain America, and why. 
Executioner song is still oh the greatest story of all time. How dare you stab your eyes, Lorraine? Do not <laughs> throw any shade on our Bible. It is Executioner song. Let's get into it with Tochi right now. Tochi Anyabuchi, how you doing? I cannot complain. It's so wonderful to hear your voice again. You too. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, we, we, Tochi was on Marvel's Pull List with me for two episodes. We talked mm-hmm. about the greatest story in all of fiction, X-Men Executioner Song, for yes, two episodes. Did. Two episodes. It was that epic. I'm sure we'll talk more about that story in a bit. But first, we got to start it off, as we should, with what is your Marvel origin story? How'd you first, you know, become a Marvel fan? Oh, man. So, you know, like a lot of people, I imagine from my generation, X-Men the Animated Series was my portal into the world of Marvel. That was where I first experienced Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix Saga, Phalanx, all of that, the, the Shi'ar Empire. And that led me to the, the books. And, you know, in the 90s, this was before I got into trades. And so you know, I'm a little kid trying to hunt down <laughs> issues from four different X books to try to t- keep track of a crossover. It was maddening, but it was also so much fun. It was a bit like a treasure hunt. But also it felt like whatever I picked up was a gem. And then in the in the 2000s, I got into the Ultimate line. And so, you know, Ultimate X-Men in particular just blew my mind and just been keeping track uh, from there. And then uh, I believe it was fall of 2011, I was lucky enough to get an internship at Marvel at their New York office, serving under none other than our esteemed host, Ryan Panagos. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. I was a real hard ass back then, I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, I got my first byline with you guys. Yeah, great, right? no, it was, it, was, it was amazing. And then, you know, almost like 10 years later to the season, I did a one-shot, a domino one-shot in Marvel's Voices Legacy. And it was some of the most fun I've had in my entire writing career. And that paved the way for uh, Black Panther Legends, four series, origin story of T'Challa geared towards younger readers. And then that paved the way for my my current work, uh, Captain America, Symbol of Truth. Yeah. Tochi, you were a lawyer? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, growing up in a Nigerian household, yeah. you know, you get... You get the standard career options of doctor, lawyer, engineer, and uh, disgrace to the family. So <laughs> I knew for a very long time that I that I wanted to be a writer professionally, but mom wasn't having that. And so based on my existing skill set, lawyers seemed like the most obvious pathway. And so after college, I, I went to film school, learned how to write screenplays. But then right after that, went to law school and started getting involved in issues of social justice, particularly mass incarceration. And so immediately after law school, I went to work for the New York Attorney General's office, and I did a lot of work in their Civil Rights Bureau. I still have my certificate of admission to the New York bar over my shoulder. Uh, So, you know, if this writing thing doesn't work out, you know, mom knows that I have the backup ready. (laughs) I like that. Look, and also... You've got an easy way to be like, all right, time for me to write Daredevil, time to write She-Hulk, time to <laughs> to get in on one of these characters. I mean, Charles Soule, obviously, also a lawyer and a wonderful comic book writer and a friend. He had a great run on Daredevil. I just gave that run of comics to someone as a recommendation for a project we're doing. And so, like, I think one of the things I, I talk to young folks about, I get a lot of people who are just out of college who reach out to me or or whatever, and I, I want to take time to help them. They they ask about, like, you know, what can they do to get this job or that job? And I think I, I often say it's like it's not one thing. There's so many things. What What is your whole picture that you bring to yourself and to your work and to your, your presence that comes in front of us at Marvel or somewhere else? How do you show all these things that make you who you are. And I'm, I'm sure that part of you knowing all those pieces adds a big piece of who you are and how you approach your projects. To your point, my career in social justice has been a big influence on how I write and what I write about, especially with Symbol of Truth. A lot of the, the ways in which issues of race are made manifest in those stories in our two arcs so far 
is founded in a lot of what I studied in college and after college. So it's all valuable. Like none of it is wasted. I was very lucky in that I sort of stumbled into writing when I was very, very, very young. Originally, I, I wanted to draw. I loved drawing. And then mom actually, mom actually gave me homework for my hobby. She was like, why don't you write little stories for all your characters that you're drawing in these three ring binders? I started doing that and I realized that it was, it was really fun. And then, you know, middle school, that was the first time that creative writing was part of the school curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time that I discovered that I was kind of good at this. Um, And then you have that feedback loop, that Mobius strip of positive validation and I was just off to the races. What does your mom say now about your career? I mean, she's pretty Americanized, so she's cool with it now. Good. I will say there was one instance, I think it was late 2019, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor also writes picture books, and she was getting ready to launch one. I got an email asking if I would be cool with moderating this event. And before I even finished reading the email, I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yes. Don't pick anyone else. Let me, I, I will do this. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we put it all together and I told my mom that I was doing this event and I, I, I don't think I said who it was with. I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing a thing at this high school you know, helping launch someone's picture book, come to the venue early. And I told, I gave her some some odd justification like, oh, the seats will fill up really quickly. So, you know, we want to make sure that you get a good one. So she comes in early. I meet her at the front and I bring her sort of down a bunch of halls to the green room. And there waiting for her is sitting Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. And so I got to introduce the two of them and watch mom chop it up with like one of the most powerful women in the entire United States of America. So after that night, she was like, oh, okay. I think I kind of get it now. (laughs) Good. I wish I had something that tangible to explain to my mom exactly what I do because she seen me in in Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, and she was like, that was very good. I was like, thanks, mom. That's not at all what I do. Kind of, but no. And then I posted a link on on Instagram to one of my podcasts and she listened to it. She's like, you're very good at talking. You know, obviously you are a well-read Marvel fan. You've got decades and decades of history. So when you get this, you know, this gig comes across you and you're like, okay, I'm going to write a Captain America book starring Sam Wilson as Cap. What do you read? Oh, man. You know, of course, I had to, as part of my research, do, you know, go through Nick Spencer's run. But also, I read a lot of Steve Rogers' cap yeah, because I knew that one thing I wanted to do with Sam was cover new ground. I didn't want to retread a lot of a lot of themes even that had been covered previously and that, you know, had had been done better than what I would have been able to pull off. And also what was interesting about Sam is Cap is that there was a lot of new territory because, you know, his periods as as Cap have been so relatively brief. There was so much that I could do with him in terms of placing him in certain situations, pairing him up with various people that would be completely new. Uh, So it really did feel like I had the best of both worlds. I did have you know, the storied character of Captain America and the idea of the shield and what it represents. But what does it mean now for it to be in the hands of this person who's had it for a relatively brief time? And it it was it was really, really, really cool. So, of course, I read the, the Coates run. I've read also, you know, quite a bit of Winter Soldier stories because I knew very early on that I wanted Sam to be partnered up with Falcon and, you know, exploring partner dynamics, but also the ways in which that partnership can be tested and messed with and all of that stuff, as 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 people will have seen with issue 10. <laughs> um, you know, the research was kind of was kind of all over the place, but also I drew on what I'd been reading on my own in other stories and other lines and whatnot, you know, huge X fan. So of course, 
you know, a lot of stuff from, you know, Hickman's House of X, Powers of Ten, just like in terms of the back of my mind, the type of scope and storytelling that I wanted to get into, it all sort of went into how I've approached Symbol of Truth. It's pretty good stuff in there. Uh, we were, <laughs> it's all right. we were it's all right. laughing about the the dynamics between Sam and Joaquin Torres uh, because you just are a monster. <laughs> really yes. hurting poor sweet Joaquin I know uh, but but you know it, I think it goes back it's something I think about a lot because especially in the current time of where we are in, in the X-Men comics in the this part of the Krakoan era everything is a nightmare it's great yeah. comics it's really good yeah but they are just just yeah. taking chainsaws to all our favorite characters and just like lapping up the blood and by they I mean the writers the artists the mm -hmm. editors and we're just like covered in the viscera and yeah. I love it. I love oh, yeah. it. I want to be upset. That's just, our, I think that's our nature as X-Men fans. And I think that probably yeah. goes to how you, what has done to your mind and oh, <laughs> yeah. with your characters. No, like I love drama. I love conflict. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was interesting about the Krakoan era was the setup was so ingenious. It was be essentially, you know, what do you do when you're at the top of the mountain? Like you've won, Right. What happens next? You fall. Like that's it's gravity. That's just what happens. It's it's Greek tragedy. And so that to me was very appealing. And that's something that I, you know, no matter the the medium of storytelling, I just really enjoy watching. It's probably also why I play games like Elden Ring. But um, but uh I think too that seeing these characters in stressful situations, I think is where you can really discover them see what decisions they make under fire, so to speak, or or when the thing that's most important to them is at risk of being lost. And even better, if it's at risk of being lost from decisions that they themselves have made, that's the, ooh, yeah, because then you're just layering the, the hurt. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's funny when um, R.B. Silva, who does the, you know, the, the, the most remarkable art for symbol i'm so honored to be working with him um so whenever when i got pages from him for that for that issue i felt guilty i was like i i'm so i'm, I'm a monster i i feel so bad for joaquin why did i do this to him? i know i know i was reading it and just like god toach what are you doing <laughs> yeah that's such a great point of having to see our characters in those moments of adversity, where would Spider-Man be without the issue with the rubble on him and Amazing Spider-Man 33 and like him having mm -hmm. to overcome this, all this adversity for others? Like that yep. is so formative. We go back to that issue. If that wasn't there, how much does that change the last, you know, almost 60 exactly. years of the character? Exactly. Adversity, I think, is exactly the right word, particularly in situations of self-sacrifice. That's so embedded in our definition and conception of superheroes, uh, you know, what they're willing to give up for the sake of the public or for, for the sake even of their family, whether that family is biological or found. Um, and in a lot of instances in Marvel, it's both. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching the Rocky movies lately. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching them now. We watched four last night. Four has got you know, like three and four have these truly tragic moments oh, yeah. for characters you just love. Oh, yeah. And especially in four, part of like there, Rocky has this thing, he makes a choice, and that choice kind yeah. of hurts his friend and, and, and could have potentially been a part of why he dies. And I'm like, these are good Marvel stories. Like these are, this is, this is like the bread and butter of what we tell of like the choices, the family, the, the, the ups and the downs and the fortitude and like all those things. It's, yeah, it's so good. That's, that's a, you know, very strong and long running thread that, that has come up in my conversations with Jackson and Colin, who are writing the Steve Rogers book, Sentinel of Liberty, as we've been working on our crossover, that, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, but that that theme of sacrifice and how different characters envision what sacrifice means or even the purpose of it uh, is something that's going to really be put into stark relief <laughs> with this crossover. 
Yeah. So speaking of the crossover, let's talk about Captain America Cold War. What's going mm. on there? Oh, man, it's lit. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's lit. Like it's oh, my goodness. It Well, what's what's wild is that, you know, Jackson and Colin, the hive mind are so beautifully bonkers they're just like they're out there and their energy is just amazing and infectious and you get us all on a zoom and we are off to the races i've never had a smoother like collaborative writing <laughs> experience than than working with them it's absolutely amazing and so i think what's interesting too is that our captains america have been on parallel journeys in a sense and here they collide you know obviously but also thematically and and personally and it's wild how like the build ups to these things in the different books has also sort of paralleled itself yeah. um even without us having spoken directly about those things it's like we were on parallel railroad tracks that have been slowly converging it's really cool and it's what's cool about it too is that it's been a learning experience for me because it's taken me deeper into captain america lore hmm. uh which is always really 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 fun yeah because you know as the Related to the point that I was making earlier, a lot of that lore is stuff that Sam has sort of experienced from the outside in. You know, he's either watched it happen or, you know, maybe he's unaware of it or he's very much been sort of, again, on the on the outside looking in. And here he's in the mix. Like he's it's it's catching up to him. And that's been so much fun to dive into. Yeah. And you got great supporting cast that just from your side, thinking about who you're bringing into the story, who's been around it, of course, you monster and everything you've done with Joaquin, but you've, you know, and, and Sam's been going through some <laughs> some stuff, but bringing back Ian, Ian Rogers, yeah. uh, Steve's son, and having Misty Knight around and, yep. and their relationship, which is just the best. It I, really I, is. It I hate really it, though, is. because I know you or someone else is going to do something awful to them. They're just going to like <laughs> turn them into a scroll and make them kill each other and then brought back the next issue or something because you just got to twist our hearts. As I get older, <laughs> I'm turning into a bit of a softy. So there's, there's a little less of that energy Good. now. That isn't to say that it's gone. You know, I still did what I did to Joaquin. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have a soft spot for Sam and Misty. Like I imagine a lot of people do. So, you know, but that just means that it's going to hurt all the more when I do to them what I'm probably going to do to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mentioned writing a Black Panther story, Black Panther Legends, uh, sort of an early tale in T'Challa's life. But you also in there have his brother, who mm -hmm. is the White Wolf, and then you're bringing White Wolf in here. I love that kind of stuff just as a as a reader and as a fan, as someone who looks at all our, our creators and the works that they do and watching them pull the threads from one series to the next. I think it's that's what I love it. If I didn't know your books, it would just feel like, oh, cool. These are the characters in the story. But seeing how you're finding the ways to connect is. Oh, really yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like that's I mean, that's something that I love as a reader is seeing those things happen and being able to make those connections and so to be able to do it on on this side of the table is really cool but i also think part of it is that there was no way i was not going to use hunter like i remember as i was doing research for black panther legends i came across him and i was like wait a second what t'challa has a has a older brother who's adopted and who's white what like how nobody nobody told why did nobody tell me this why did nobody tell me this and then i was just like the storytelling possibilities just exploded and so if i ever get to write another marvel book there is no way there is no way i'm leaving hunter off the table there is no way uh, and it's funny because this was another instance of me being able to play with someone who had relatively little mileage on him i could do whatever with him and to be able to make him into the character that he is right now has been oh it's been so much fun it's been so much fun and he's just he's just really cool he's really really cool he's awful he's horrible he's I, like you say you say cool and i'm like he's a scary 
radicalist terrorist like he's taking the ethos that he's learned in his at home but like it's been all twisted up and messed oh yeah up and, wow. oh yeah no he's self-radicalized in the worst possible oh. way the worst possible way but as a storytelling device oh my goodness chef's kiss it's real good. It's real good. I'm, I'm glad you have that. You know, thinking about the Black Panther, have you seen, obviously you saw the first one. Did you see Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Oh my goodness, yes. And so I was very fortunate enough to be able to see it in a, a special guild screening in New York. And so afterwards, the one, the only Ryan Coogler came out on stage and did a little Q&A. And I mean, that that film, it absolutely blew me away, you know, because of the people who were working on it. I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be dope. But the the way that they were able to pivot in the wake of Chadwick Boseman's passing and turn it into the story that they turned it into. And also so many of the Easter eggs that were in there. Like, I don't know how much I can say in terms of spoil. I mean, it's it's been out for some time, but at the same time, like it's on Disney um, Plus. Everybody go watch Marvel Studios, Black Panther, <laughs> Wakanda Forever now on Disney Plus. Now on Disney Plus. <laughs> but, you know, like, it was such a joy seeing, for instance, Ironheart. It was such a joy. It Like, that was my heart thrilled. Especially because, like, Ironheart has a special place in my heart because my good buddy Eve Ewing had a wonderful, wonderful Ironheart run that is one of my favorite, you know, series ever and so you know seeing Ironheart was was absolutely special but also one of the things that I've really appreciated about the Black Panther movies is how they've engaged with the issue of colonialism right and you really see that in Wakanda Forever and the way they did Namor in oh my goodness it just he oh my god like i just it was amazing i like it's it just and as a feat of technical filmmaking all those underwater scenes like how did they how how did they how did they do that really it's fascinating stuff we talked about it a little bit at the beginning why is x-men executioner song the best thing ever oh my goodness because it's it's got everything right i'm about to turn into stefan from uh the saturday night live skit it's it's got greek tragedy it's got clones it's got uh the moon it's got summer's <laughs> family drama it's got it all and the password is now, <laughs> um, it it really is like the quintessence of 90s x-men which to me i i look at in the same way that i look at like 90s rap which is like this huge incredible golden era of wonderful epic operatic material and i think operatic is exactly the word for what i feel even when i think of executioner's song now it was it's such a broad canvas that they paint on you know apocalypse shows up in this thing like and it's funny because at the core of it you know, similar to many other stories in the mutant universe, is Summer's family drama. Like, it's <laughs> it's like 72% of the bad stuff that happens to mutants is a direct result of the Summer's family. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, and also, too, one thing that I appreciate about it, and, and this is something I think I'm able to appreciate more in the trade where I'm able to sort of just read through, is all the different twists and turns. Like, okay, Professor X gets shot at a rally. He gets shot by Cable. But wait, no, it's not Cable. It's a clone of Cable. Wait, now Cyclops and Jean are kidnapped by this dude who's calling them mom and dad. But the clone is saying he's the... What what is going on? And it's just, it's amazing. Also, on top of that, it sets up, like, beautifully in this little tiny coda at the end. It sets up one of the most powerful and impactful events to happen in the mutant universe, the legacy virus. It's a little thing that happens at the very, very, very end. When a story is able to do that, similar to how Legion Quest set up Age of Apocalypse, when you can lead into, it's sort of like you've you've put on this extraordinary performance and then you do the alley-oop and leave it up for like the next storyline, the next creator to just like slam dunk it uh, in the best way possible. Like that's, I just, I love when that is pulled off. 
And if anybody wants to hear us talk even more about <laughs> X-Men Executioner Song, it's April 19th and April 26th, 2022 of uh, those episodes of Marvel's Pull List. Yeah, we... We, we we chop it up about oh, yeah. this book in great detail. Great detail, <laughs> like panel by panel. <laughs> yeah. So good. Toach, anything else you want to uh, promote, talk about before we let you go? Oh, man. Um, you know, Captain America, symbol of truth, of course. Um, and also, you know, I just want to put in a plug for my brothers, uh, Jackson, Colin, Sentinel of Liberty. Is just an absolute extraordinary book. Carmen Carnero, who does the the art for it, is it's absolutely ridiculous. It's amazing. And you know, while you can read both books separately, I do think the experience is much richer for reading them in tandem, especially going into Cold War. So keep following those. And also, obviously, if fans are digging your comics work, where can they check out your novels? Oh my goodness. My my latest novel, Goliath, just came out in paperback last month. It is available anywhere books are sold. You know, be sure to pick it up. People have told me that they like it. So <laughs> what's the what's the elevator pitch for it? Uh the elevator pitch is that the the book is about a group of black and brown brick stackers in a post-climate event New Haven, Connecticut, who have to deal with gentrifiers from space. Damn, I love it. I love it. Well practiced. Thank friend. you. Well practiced. Thank you. Good job. Tochi, always a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure we'll find a way to get you on one of our shows next time you got a new Marvel launch in the works. Oh, absolutely. It would be a pleasure and an honor. Go read Captain America Sentinel of Liberty by Tochi Onyabuchi uh, and the whole Captain America Cold War event. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Also, Tochi, what a just a ding dang delight. Mm. What, a, what a nice boy. We love Tochi over here. We do. Next week, we're going to have on author Jeffrey Brown talking about his new picture book, Thor and Loki Midgard Family Mayhem. It is super cute. And in the spirit of that, we want to know, are you team Thor or are you team Loki and why? Hmm. Hmm. There can only be one. It's like we love our Thor, but we like love our Loki, too. I mean, who doesn't love a bad boy? A bad boy. A bad um, boy. They're both bad boys. Thor was cast down because he was. Yeah, but he's like of... a dingus bad boy. Loki's just like, like sexy bad boy. Well, it's like himbo versus villain era. Like, I don't know. Brains are brawn. Classic struggle. I'm going to go with Loki right now, but tomorrow my answer might be Thor. See, here's the thing. Loki is who you love, but it's a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never truly love you back and treat no, you the way you want to be treated. It, it is a waste. He will only fool you. And the joke is on you. You made that choice for yourself. But let us know. <laughs> let us know. Uh, you can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twinpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel, please make sure to tell us it is okay to read on the show so we can do so. Like we're going to do now, because it's This Week in Messages. This Week in Messages. This Week in Messages. Our question of the week last week was, what do you love to do at conventions? Yeah. And then Mountain Meg at Meg Stalker said, I love this question. Our favorite con activities. I was lucky enough to take my kids to WonderCon last week. So my new favorite con activity is to see their excitement, to meet amazing artists and watching them collect items and memories. Aww. The whole family experience. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about New York Comic Con with Catherine today. She's like, good. I want to go back on the stage. Yeah. She is your kid. <laughs> yep. She got it. <laughs> The apple does not fall far. Nope. All right. Next up, we got Caroline Cosplay at Caroline Cosplay, who said, I love seeing my cosplay friends again, getting to talk to comic book creators, telling them how much I appreciate their work, hunting for Quanon art, and meeting celebrities. Mm. It's so fun. It's so nice. Ethan at Geekin' Out Ethan said, meeting celebrities, seeing and taking pictures of cosplayers, etc. Well, Ethan... The et cetera is, is sort of the point. We wanted to know all the things. But yes, we're glad you get to see all the people then take all the pictures. Yeah. All right. We got Scarlet at Ya Girl Scarlet, <laughs> who's, <laughs> uh, who's uh, said, 
Been to one finally last year for the first time, loved seeing other people, their cosplays, making my own cosplay, and finally being able to wear it. Seeing my internet friends there as well as a meetup, meeting favorite actors. I have to say, like, kudos to cosplayers, because it takes months sometimes to put that stuff together. And then you have to wear it all day. And anyone who has been to a Halloween party knows that's hard (laughs) to wear a costume all day, especially when you're walking around for miles on the con floor. But it brings so much joy to everyone. It's so nice. Chandler at Chandler Polig said, my favorite thing about attending cons is seeing my friends. The found family of your geek friends is revitalizing. I feel recharged with creativity and excitement every time. And we are often cosplaying all our favorite characters. So it's even better. All right, next up, Christina at ProFangirl1996 said, We go to several conventions each year, and I love the cosplay and vendors slash artists. Meeting some of our favorite creators and actors is always a treat, too. The best feeling is walking into the hall and seeing fan family. It's like coming home every time. Hmm. Oh, that's so nice. It's just the best. We've got a Facebook message, a couple of Facebook messages in here from Carly, who said, I've never been to a Comic-Con before, but if I did, my friends who've been would show me where the cool stuff is, especially the Marvel booth, and where I can get awesome Rocket merchandise. I also love the new Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 TV spot, which dropped last night, especially Rocket doing ASMR, drinking (laughs) through a straw. His slurpy slurps were adorable. Oh, that's the best. Um, I highly recommend to get yourself to a convention. And also, like, it's wonderful to go in your town when there's a convention near you. But there is something so fun about going to a convention out of town where you have to stay at a hotel. If you can swing it, there's something so delightful about just like going to the events that are at night and, you know, being completely immersed and like you don't go home and like get distracted and watch your TV or something. You just like get to completely be inserted into the con for the whole weekend. It is the best. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah. So good. All right, Lorraine, it is time for the Marvel Insider Code. Everybody out there, if you're not signed up already, head over to marvel.com slash insider, where you can earn points for doing stuff like reading comics, articles, even listening to this very podcast. Plus, we have a special code for listening to this episode, and that code is what, Lorraine? Comics. (laughs) C-O-M-I-C-S. Comics. (laughs) The code is valid until April 14th, 2023, and you'll receive 5,000 Marvel Insider points when you enter it into the This Week in Marvel podcast code redeem activity at marvel.com slash insider. Limited number of redemptions available. One redemption code per Marvel Insider. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only. Terms apply Go get yourself 5,000 points. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. That's it for us this week. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Cara McGurk, Allison, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Jeff the Landshark. Jeff the Landshark. He's a bitey little boy, but he's the best little bitey boy. We love Jeff the Landshark. That's it. Goodbye. (laughs) I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Happy summer of symbiosis, everyone. Summer of symbiosis.